The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, best-selling author, Sunday independent journalist and podcaster Sophie White is my first guest on The Sunday Grill this bank holiday Sunday. Her latest novel is called The Snag List and she joins me this morning. Hi, Sophie. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm full of my Sunday Grill. Good stuff. And I said... I'll grill everything up and get it into me. I love an old sausage. Oh, I'm glad to hear you love a sausage, that it's not all <laughs> grilled halloumi and scrambled eggs and stuff like that. Oh, no, I'm extremely basic. Like, I don't even like a herby, fancy sausage. No, I me just neither. like yeah. the absolute traditional Denny's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the pale ones. Yeah. yeah. Even better, stick them in the air fryer and hope for the best, I say. Actually, do you know what I've started doing? It's baking them. I learned oh. it from my friend Esther O'More Donahue, okay. who has an amazing podcast herself. And uh, she bakes them and like it's a whole new world. Now, my friend also does that. She bakes cocktail sausages and she says they mm. are just phenomenal. I must try that. It's just a very even cook. Oh, yeah. Just delicious. Now I just want sausages and really fresh batch bread. That's all I want. But look, we are here to talk about the snag list and so much more. When it comes to being busy, I think if you looked it up on the dictionary, your name would come up there because you have so much going on. And I think with your books as well, it's they're usually about women who have a lot going on too. I think it, it, it's how yeah. women in their 30s in Ireland in the 2020s almost view the world, isn't it? Oh, completely. I don't think there's anyone busier than um, Irish women in their <laughs> 30s. Um, totally. I don't know now. I seem to give an impression of busyness, though. And I, I will say I'm such a procrastinator. I'm such a, I just feel quite lazy, mainly. Oh, oh, but I think what your I, sister. Yeah, because I have a lot of jobs because I freelance a lot and I, I lecture mm. in media and people think I'm really busy, but they don't really know how many episodes of Real Housewives I can get through in one week. I was about to say, like Project (laughs) Runway, round the clock, get it into me. Um, The ultimate multitasker. (laughs) (laughs) So the latest novel is The Snag List. Your books are coming out quick and fast. I really enjoyed Unfiltered last year. It was just a really lovely read during the pandemic. I think we were in the depths of lockdown when I was reading it. Um, You've really grabbed a hold of... You know, almost the silliness of the world these days, you know, that Instagram versus reality. And the snag list is a little bit of the same, isn't it? But more regrets and, you know, famous kids on YouTube. Tell us a little bit about it. Totally. Oh, well, I think all of my fiction, I'm very uh, interested in the kind of collision of like humans mm. and tech mm. and how and collision is a great way to describe it as well because totally because it be it's messy mm. <laughs> totally I think it's kind of almost always I feel like we're just learning on the hop mm-hmm. this brand new way of living and it's such a strange and amazing and bizarre and awful time to be alive mm-hmm. and I think that's where I'm always really interested in exploring with my books and like I was very interested in Instagram obviously um for my first two novels um and then with this novel I was very interested in the kind of way now that tech is kind of 
uh, infiltrating our daily lives mm-hmm. in kind of new and surprising ways. So I think part of what inspired the Snag List, which is about three women who kind of move to this almost like dystopianly perfect um, housing estate mm-hmm. that's kind of purpose built to make your life as easy and as snag free as possible. Literally, you have kind of a, an adult au pair practically assigned to you when you move there. So okay. it's literally a person. They're called your life curator and they're a person who's just there to kind of polish off all of the kind of little niggles um, that like are just our little everyday life stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, literally just collecting the clothes to put in the laundry. Like it's not even you're getting your laundry done for you. Literally, somebody will come and collect it around the house and take the knickers off you Mm -hmm. practically. I know we all need it. I have there's another kind of a service you can order to your house called the hangover helper and it's just somebody who'll come and like they'll you know they'll give you an IV drip if you need to rehydrate they'll bring you lovely carb food or they'll just like hold your hand if you just have the fear and like they'll just sit there reassuring you that everyone doesn't hate you after you've had too much at book club the night before so, so these like, women are of a certain this is where they've moved to and they're very, obviously quite well off that they can move to this place their main, yeah, they're well off in that. Okay, so our main character, Lindy, her son is like a YouTube star. Yes, I love so this. I've started of, to read the snag list and I love this part yeah. of the story because it's such an American thing, isn't it? This this kid well, YouTube star. I have seen very, yeah. like my little girl watches a lot of Quinn and Madison and it kind of, exactly. I'm a tiny bit shocked by them sometimes. You know, these very confident kids on YouTube. Exactly. And they're so savvy and they're like Mm. so commercially minded. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really sad, but I think it's really fascinating. fascinating, So my son... My son's the same, like my son's nearly nine and we have like Axel and Ryan on round the clock in our house. And I know their families better than I know my own. And are you okay with Axel and Ryan? Do you like them? Well, I wouldn't say I actively like them. Would you be okay with being on play dates in your house, for example? Oh, God, I'd say they'd be very judgmental of my house. Oh, my God. Total side note. I had a little boy come over on a play date a couple of years ago and he came into my house, which is a very nice, ordinary house. And he was like, where's your balcony? And I was like, I don't know. Nobody has balconies. Get away here. Stop making me feel bad about my life. But anyway, yeah, exactly. It's like you need to tell your kid balconies are extreme luxury. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so Lindy has moved to Monterey Valley, the, the name of this dystopian housing estate, because her basically it's a kind of a contra deal. They've gotten a free house for in re, in return for a lot of coverage on okay. their YouTube channel. Uh-huh. So they're kind of an ordinary in terms of, you know, their middle class, you know, but they are earning a lot through their son's um, YouTube, it's their entire, it's a family business, mm. as uh, basically, like her and her husband left their jobs to do this full time. And obviously, Lindy is really struggling with the ethics of it in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something she's doing lightly, but it's something that's kind of almost happened to her. And she's almost been sucked down this kind of hole of like no return with it. They're so reliant on it in every way. And I felt like that was a really interesting thing to explore, like that surely these YouTube families, like there is, they need the money. And like, at the same time, are you commodifying your child's mm. your child's childhood? And like, how does that feel? And obviously, like it kind of started off for me when my own son asked me a couple of years ago if he could have his own YouTube channel. Mm. And I was like, but I need to think of some good reasons. Yeah. Um I said that 
I just, I just tried to, I was like, look over there. Look at that. What's that? <laughs> Distract. Google, Google. But, um, Google, Google. And so that's it. See, that's what, that's Lindy's big regret, basically, mm. because the thing that brings our main characters together is that they all have these regrets. And I just thought like, what is more relatable than being in your 30s, deep in your 30s, one of our characters in her early 40s, and just like having this perfect life on paper, but suddenly all this time to look at what's missing, look at what you've done wrong. And it basically births the idea for a new business for Lindy called The Snag List, where basically you go and to Lindy and you kind of snag list your life and you tell her all the things that you wish you'd done differently or the roads not taken. And like she basically builds this plan for how you can re, re redo basically everything. So, and then a, a lot of chaos ensues because that is what I enjoy. To, I enjoy writing. Yeah, and it really is <laughs> rollicking in a read, but in, in a way as oh, well, you're, you. you're really plugging into, you know, what it's like in the 2020s. Because I think, you know, living with mm. regret is an, is an age old thing, but I think our parents' generation possibly didn't talk about that regret where we, we've become totally. these great communicators about stuff like that but we're also looking for solutions and you know sometimes there's just no solutions just get on with it would be a good one wouldn't it that's it I think it's like we've come kind of to adulthood especially millennials like mm. ourselves um we come to adulthood in a kind of an age that promised a lot in yeah. terms of living better mm -hmm. and it and then it's it's really <laughs> the wheels have fallen off yeah. I think you know it's because we're still obviously we're living in this kind of all of the things that almost were sold as benefits, like being able to work remotely and have all of this connectivity has now actually really eaten into people's well-being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people are finding it very hard to take a break. And, you know, as as much as like we now have all of the opportunities that our parents never had, the kind of pressure to succeed to be able to afford these opportunities, you know, is huge. So like, bringing the family on holidays it's an amazing thing if you can afford it and I suppose it just it's a kind of a rat race as well to kind of you know try to keep up with those things you yeah. want to give your kids everything and the kind of strange payoff might be that you're not around for your kids exactly. because you're so stressed trying to do it which is one of the kind of ironies I wanted to kind of explore with Lindy and her YouTuber son you know one of the kind of things that her husband uses to kind of illustrate that they're not doing everything wrong is oh look you know what working parents can spend all of this time with their child mm. you know yeah. so it's kind of a funny sort of um like paradoxical kind of point like yeah. that they are supposed maybe potentially exploiting their child but also they are spending far more time with their child than you know say I am for yeah. example as a working parent you know I have to drop my kids to childcare and it kind of is the holy so, grail isn't it this whole oh look at all the I time know. we can spend with our child that's it and that's as it. I said at the beginning your books do deal with technology a lot but more in, in the sense of social media and how technology mm. works with us but like you said about colliding uh, an awful lot of your, mm. your work like you co-founded the Rogue Collective for example and you're a podcaster has to do with technology and is possibly something yes. we couldn't have done 10 years ago um, does mm. technology collide with you or has it been something that's been a massive advantage for you and your work? 
it's been a huge advantage mm. that took me a while to see as a huge advantage. Mm. <laughs> um, I definitely found it difficult um, to be engaged on social media when I first joined social media, but I was actually, funnily enough, I was quite late to it all. Mm. I didn't join social media until um, 2016. Um, and I Any actually had media? most... You'd know social media Yeah, pretty much. Wow. I think... I had a Facebook like years ago when it yeah. came out. But but what happened for me was that I actually lived in France um, for a good chunk of my 20s. I lived and worked in France okay. and I didn't have like a smartphone. Mm. I didn't have, I didn't actually have much of a relationship with the internet, which is really funny now because obviously I'm so ensconced. I live on the internet. <laughs> like, um, So I kind of came to it all a bit late. And I think it meant that I found it all more bizarre because <laughs> it was like coming to the party when everyone was already balubas drunk. And I was like, what happened to everyone? My God, people are just taking selfies. What? <laughs> and I was a real kind of tourist for a while. <laughs> and I think that's why I wrote Filter This and Unfiltered because uh-huh. I was just so fascinated by living this online life. Yeah. And, you know, and then the irony is, of course, that in researching Filter This and Unfiltered, I became completely online myself. Um, I think I find it um, quite consuming initially. Like, mm. I think it's, uh, there's a lot of time spent if you're kind of quite engaged online. And I definitely have gone through different periods of kind of balance with that. I think I'm quite balanced now. I, I kind of go on and go off and go on and go off. But I always like watching other people. So I find it a little bit hard sometimes to engage myself, but I love watching other people. Oh, me too. Um, mm. Yeah. And I love watching all the creativity and just like how incredibly smart and funny people are and the things that they do, their own kind of expression of themselves on their own social media is far more interesting to me than trying to put things up myself. Um, and I don't do Twitter and, you know, it's still just very much Instagram. I don't do TikTok. I just kind of was like, I'll pick one and that's enough for me. And you know, I think what's been so amazing is finding like an audience and finding readers for my work and finding and getting feedback. And like, that is huge. Like I can't, it's really spurred me so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot lot of creative work is just rejection. A lot of it Mm -hmm. is building a kind of callous against just, just a lot of rejection, you know? And so I think it has helped in those times, like, when I was trying to bring my first novel out, you know, I was finding it so hard to get anyone to believe in it, anyone to want to publish it. And it was during those years that like I was working on that, that I started podcasting and, um, you know, and it was amazing to find an audience who like liked what I do and liked what I did and wanted to listen. And it was amazing to say, look, you know, I'm not finding success through the kind of traditional means here. But maybe the traditional means are kind of on the out anyway. Maybe it's time that this is what people do now. You kind of find your own niche audience and you just connect with them. And it's amazing. I love it. And now it's kind of come together. It's not all about being on a Friday night anymore, you know, so. It really isn't. Exactly. People just have an appetite for loads of things. And it's great to connect with that. Yeah. And great to see that it's available, whatever people are interested in. Well, I'm really enjoying it. I've only started the snag list, but I'm really enjoying it. It is published by Hachette. Ireland um, and it is available now and Sophie is on Instagram if you want to check her out she's Sophie White Whoop and of course the podcasts are The Creep Dive and Mother of Pod Sophie thanks a million for joining me this morning thanks so much The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103
It's Beat 102.03 on this bank holiday Sunday morning. And now for a bit of self-love in, in the form of painting. My next guest is an artist and the woman behind Fat Lemon Prints. You can find them on Instagram. Quiva Walsh is teaching free workshops that are all about body positivity and self-love. And Quiva joins me this morning with more details. You're very welcome, Quiva. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill. I love this idea and I'm a big fan of your prints, Fat Lemon Prints as well. I think it's all about visibility and you're really getting body positivity out there. You're very kind. Thank you so much. So <laughs> Doing my little bit. Good and, and good to see you as well. And th- these workshops um, that are all about body positivity have been organised by Link and they're a community resource centre for lesbian and bisexual women and their families. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with this. So I am actually part of the group myself and I um, had been chatting with them and I had run a a group of these classes for a mock in Galway with Chalk Solace Mm -hmm. and um, after that Kat and myself were kind of chatting and I said that I'd be more than happy to run some down here and they had... um, they had the space, so we're we're just going to run uh, the five weeks, as I said, and get, you know, <laughs> try and get the word out there. <laughs> and as we said, of course, because it's for Link, these workshops are being run for lesbian and bisexual women. But I think they're important yeah. no matter what your sexual orientation is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I have actually been running these myself for uh, a couple of years now and um, I'm very grateful to, to I suppose be able to do it with a mock and to do it with um link that means a lot to me to be you know to be able to provide that service but in general these classes I think are I I love them and I always get something from them they're very enjoyable and I think that it's just that it's nice to give yourself yourself those couple of hours to you know just focus on yourself and mm. a bit of self-love and self-care <laughs> and what happens in those couple of hours so I started them in 2019 and initially we were doing a three and a half hour block. And for me, it's a lot about um, exploring creativity just as much as exploring self-care and like using it as a means of self-care, I suppose. So for the first half of the class, usually we would par- like pair up with somebody and you would draw them. And there is no artistic skill needed. For me, it's more about just the enjoyment of it. Mm. Um, I personally started drawing when, like, got back to drawing and and would have, like, have noticed a massive improvement since. Like, I don't think it's important to be excellent at drawing to mm. start, basically. And so I really encourage people to come in and try different materials. And I would have had watercolours and different things, acrylics and paints and charcoal and stuff. So to come in and just enjoy it, sit down with somebody and I would kind of facilitate like the class with a few questions, the conversation I suppose with a few questions about like my own experience with fat positivity and body love and how it's changed my life. And then I would kind of invite them to talk a little bit about what they consider self-care or self-love at the moment, at the time kind of, and we draw, they would draw the other person. So the view is to kind of see what another person sees you like basically like so we'd often have people who would be like I added a sun because you're so happy and I made sure to focus on your eyes because they're really really pretty or you know it was just really lovely to have those kind of things Mm. that people would pick up when they didn't necessarily know you very often like very often it was strangers paired up together um and all the while we'd be having um a conversation I suppose about I, I tend to leave them kind of take their own 
like way a lot of the time mm. um but just having conversations in general about body love and self-love and being kind to ourselves and stuff like that and then in the second half I'd encourage people to paint themselves okay. um so over the next few weeks we will kind of do different variations of that I suppose because it's been run a different way now it'll be four weeks mm-hmm. um but we'll be focusing on your relationship with your body and kind of trying to find a kinder view on it while we you know, while we discuss different things like that, kind of topics surrounding that. And there is no pressure for anyone to, um, they don't have to paint themselves if they're not feeling comfortable. I've had people who started off not comfortable and then ended up doing it because they felt a little bit more okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of focusing on that basically, like, and just general safe space to communicate and talk and discuss the topic, I suppose, of body love. (laughs) I'm very interested in the topic of body love because it seems to be all over social media or my social media anyway. I'm seeing a lot of talk about telling your belly that you love it and things like that. But what does body love mean to you, Quiva? Honestly, it it means everything to me. Um, Mm. I mean, there's lots of different interpretations and obviously it's very nuanced and stuff. But for me, it kind of gave me a life about 10 years ago I found body positivity online the idea of the movement that um you know it's it is a it is a political movement that you know focuses on more representation and more care and more you know like getting getting the same treatment in public I suppose for for fat women for fat queer black Mm. women would have been the initial um the initial thing back way back in the 60s I think Mm -hmm. it started um so for me it really helped me find comfort with my body I had never really had that and in doing that it's led to my career it's led to me finding my best friends and everything and you know it's it's been everything to me and to me I know that some people will strive for body neutrality for me body love has given me you know, the the freedom to love myself, um, to enjoy the changes, to explore the different things that I'm experiencing as a person. And a lot of my work then focuses on that. And it's also allowed me to work in these classes and stuff. So body love is is everything to me, to be honest. Like it just, and, and it just means... And what's the difference between body love then and body neutrality? So a lot of people, and I completely understand it. And there are a lot of days where I would only feel neutral about my body. Like mm. I have been quite, you know, had developed some chronic illnesses the last few years. And sometimes you're you're just not playing ball with it. But I suppose body neutrality is focusing on going, you know, my body is here and it's getting me through the day and that's good enough. Mm. And then striving for body love would be able, like would be more about, I absolutely love how I look and I love and I accept my body no matter what it looks like. Um, and that there isn't one type of body that's more deserving of love than another. And, you know, like, so I, I know that body positivity is, I suppose, very much focused um, generally on fat people, mm-hmm. but, and fat positivity, but um, it's body love, I suppose, is broader, that we all deserve to enjoy our bodies and that everybody is good and that everybody is different. And, you know, at the same time, what you might think is completely weird, more than likely somebody else has it. Yes. You know what I mean? Focusing on just enjoyment of your body, no matter what it yes. is. You and know? I think, you know, sometimes that's the advantage of social media. I know there's so many disadvantages of what we see on yeah. social media, but I think that seeing people who are like you is so important. So it's so important. Mm. Like representation is just everything. And like, obviously, each of us has our own version of what we want to represent. Um, And I suppose by putting it out there, 
you'll hopefully find somebody who's like yourself mm-hmm. um, and finding that and finding the friends that I have found has changed my life because I have some people who ex- have experienced the life similar, like a life similar to mine mm-hmm. and we can support each other in that and we can, you know, like we can, <laughs> we can help each other with that, which I think is so important these days, especially so often I speak like I, it's very much about fat positivity for me, but so often I speak to people who, um, would say that like they have no friends in real life who are fat or Mm. who are comfortable with being fat Mm -hmm. and a lot of it can be negative talk and diet talk which Mm -hmm. I totally understand a person being in that space Mm -hmm. but to find a bit of community where people are celebrating like fat joy and and body love and it just it really helps educate you educate yourself like as much like I've learned so much from my friends and from the people I know online and it's it's um a wonderful community to be honest and I I wish that you could kind of bottle it (laughs) so I suppose in my classes I try to bottle a little bit of that and you know hopefully help whatever you look like help you feel a bit more comfortable and is that what uh, is in your experience is that what comes out of the workshop a little bit more body positivity and and, or, or even body neutrality I, I hope so. Um, I was very lucky to get some some lovely feedback from the four week classes we did with the mock. Um, and that was like the people who did it with me coming out at the end of it said some really lovely things. And to me, I think often I just go into it and I talk about what I'm passionate about and I chat and I have a conversation and I listen to people and they tell me a little bit about what they're thinking with art or, you know, whatever it is. And I I learned so much that I kind of forget that (laughs) there's the other side, but Mm. I would have had people and it was really amazing to hear who were saying that in the weeks that we did it, that they were looking so much more kindly on their body and that they had started to draw their body outside of class because, they were enjoying it and stuff. And that to me is everything. Like if I can pass that on a little bit, you know, like I know body neutrality is is amazing, but it, I do think there's something incredible about actually just loving your body in a world where people are telling you not to all the mm-hmm. time or telling you this is wrong or that's wrong or, you know, and, and, and what a horrible just fashion space to be stuff. in your body. Yeah, you only have one body. Yeah, exactly. You be going around that's thinking it. that it's wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just about compassion and kindness for yourself and exactly. where you're at and stuff, you know. Exactly. Well, lovely. And and that's what you're doing with the body body positivity, self-love Well, workshop. hopefully. <laughs> it is hopefully. being run by Link. And as I said, they're the Community Resource Centre for Lesbians and Bisexual Women. But they're in Waterford as well, and that's where the workshop is. Garter Lane in Waterford from 6 to 8pm, uh, starting this coming Wednesday. If you want to get more details, cat at link.ie is the email that yeah. is L-I-N-C and it's cash with a K so cash at link.ie and then Quiva is on uh, Instagram if you follow her on Fat Lemon Prince and you have a poster up of the workshop as well and you can get more details on that too. I do, I do. I have the poster up there, yeah. And um, I'm delighted to be working with Link. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Brilliant. And as I said, we could talk all day about body positivity and I know this is being run with Link, so for <laughs> lesbians or bisexual, but it's such an important workshop that could be run around the country, especially for young women as well, I think. Well, hopefully, look, I, you know, I'll be continuing on myself regardless of the end of the five weeks and the, you know, hopefully I'd like to work with some other, some other organisations around the place as well. And it's nice to be doing them in person again after yeah. COVID. So these will be my first Good in-person stuff. ones, which would be nice. Well, you heard it here first. Quiva is available for workshops with other organisations. Quiva, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thanks a million. Thanks so much, Orla. 
for Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102 103 on this, the first day of May. And if you're looking for some zen in the Southeast this month, well, a charity wellness day in the New Bay House Hotel in Wexford might be for you. Suzanne Corrigan joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell me more. You're very welcome, Suzanne. Good morning, Orla. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on to the Sunday Grill. Tell us a little bit about this. This is this is for a very um, important charity in Wexford. Tell us about the Wexford Women's Refuge. Yeah, absolutely. So it's for the kit out of their new building. So the Women's Refuge have a new accommodation being built and they have all the funding for that, but unfortunately they don't have any for the kit out of the actual apartments. So there's going to be 12 new apartments to house 12 new families and it's basically just to be able to kit those out for them. So we're trying to raise as much money as we can um, so when the building is all finished, then they'll have some beautiful apartments to move into. Great. And there's a number of events in Wexford Ford. There's different um, businesses putting on different events. But you are having a wellness day. That's right. I am indeed. OK. So there are different ones coming up. So my one is going to be one of the first ones to kick it all off. Mine mm-hmm. is on the 15th of May. OK. It is in New Bay House Hotel. OK. And it's a wellness day. So it's going to be a day filled of talks. Um, treatments and outdoor classes weather permitting okay, pray for sun <laughs> I will pray for sun uh, and the middle of May you'll probably get good sun so Wexford yeah, Wellness hopefully. on Instagram if you want to check it out and what will you be doing on the day Suzanne? So I suppose I'll be running it but I am going to be doing one of the classes so I'm a yoga teacher and I'm also a holistic therapist Okay. Um, so I'm going to be running a yoga nidra class but we also have loads of different yoga teachers and instructors we have mindfulness. We're actually beginning the day with a cacao ceremony. Now, tell us a little bit about the cacao ceremony because I hear so much about this. Like, uh, yeah, presenters really like Angela Scanlon are, is really into this and has talked a lot about it. And I'd be into it because it looks like having a nice glass or mug of cocoa first thing in the morning. Tell us a little bit about it. Exactly. So there are loads of different strengths. We're just doing a nice um, meditative strength. So okay. it, and what do you mean by strength? Like strength of cacao that's in the strength drink. of cacao. Yeah, okay. cacao is actually really powerful, and it's um, it's plant medicine. Mm. So we will mix up um, just different mugs of cacao, and everybody is just going to put their gratitude into it, and it's like a little ceremony. Um, and you can place your intentions into it. And it just really grounds people into the moment. And then the taste of the beautiful cacao, obviously, is lovely. So a lot of people are changing over from their morning coffee to having their cacao in the morning and creating their own little ceremony themselves at home and starting the day right with gratitude in their hearts. And it's a particular cacao you get, isn't it? So the, everything about it is the ceremony. It's not about getting like three spoonfuls of cocoa and throwing it in that you bought in the supermarket. No, this one, and we make sure that where we get it from is um, is ethically ethically farmed. Okay, and it's all imported. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, and you've got some really interesting stuff in in this on the wellness day, and um, you've got uh, soul soothing sound bowls are going to finish off the day. Yes. So we have Creek and Lodge who are going to be coming. They're going to be doing um sound healings on the day as well so they'll be the therapies that they'll be performing mm-hmm. but they're finishing off the outdoor classes with the um soul soothing sound healing which is going to be the tibetan bowls okay and 
basically we'll all lie around in a circle outside and we will have a lady who will just play these singing bowls and the vibrations of the singing bowls will wash over us like a sound bath. It's absolutely amazing. Fab. So can people pick and choose what they want to go to throughout the day after the cacao ceremony and finishing up with the sound bowls? During the day, can you then decide on the things you'd like to try? Absolutely. So all of those ones will be going on outside. Then indoors, we're going to have the different talks. Mm -hmm. So we will have talks that most likely be on the hour. So they'll be on holistic health, kinesiology. And we have a heart-led psychotherapist who will be talking about just bringing joy back into your life and how we can change our point of view and how we view everything in life. And we'll also have um, Michelle from ECHO and she's going to be talking about functional medicine, women's health, she'll touch on gut health. And um, we also have a talk on Feng Shui for the home. Lovely. Well, lots going on on the day. As you said, it's on May 15th and it is to raise funds for Wexford Women's Refuge. You can go on to the Instagram page, which is Wexford Wellness. Um, and you also have a website. Tell us what the website is again. We do. It's wexfordwellness.ie and you can buy your tickets there. So the tickets will be um, give you access to all the classes and all the talks. And then all the holistic treatments will just be extra for the day. But every penny is going towards the Women's Refuge. So please come and dig deep. (laughs) Good stuff. Thanks a million for joining me this morning, Suzanne. That is Suzanne and that is Wexford Wellness, if you want to check it out, on May 15th in the New Bay House Hotel in Wexford, just outside Wexford Town. Thanks a million, Suzanne. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Beat 102-103 on this gorgeous bank holiday Sunday and I am booking gigs like there is no tomorrow. There is so much on and Kilkenny's Ballykeef is no exception. It's probably one of the most unique venues I've been to here in the southeast. It's an amphitheatre and in the depths of Kilkenny it just has an amazing lineup this summer. Martina Brennan is the PRO for Ballykeef Amphitheatre and she's on the phone this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill after such a long time being away from us Martina. Yes, Orla, it's it's been a long two years, although we were very busy last year, okay. but um it's great to have a full lineup and hopefully lots of people there sold out events instead of us putting these gigs on for two hundred people. So what did you do so last yeah, year like then? What did you do? Would you believe actually we ended up having more events than we ever had in Ballykeith. Okay. We normally do eight, nine probably. We did twenty two last year. So to kind of accommodate for the smaller numbers, we would have put, you know, two or three nights on. Okay. But as you know, you like to put on an event, whether you have 200 people or 900 people, whatever, it's um, still the same amount of work goes into it. So, yeah. But, you know, this year, as you were saying, we have a very exciting oh, lineup. you really do. So you really do. We're busy, busy. Before yeah. we talk yeah. about that, for people who don't know what Ballykeefe is, just explain it and how it all came about. Yeah, so basically, um, Ballykeith Amphitheatre started out, it was a quarry, and it was used by Kenny County Council um, for stone for the roads or whatever. And then it um, became abandoned and was kind of used for antisocial behaviour. So um, cars were dumped in it and stuff like that. So a few local people got together and they kind of thought, God, we have to clean this place up. You know, we have to do something with it. So when they started started the clean-up, they were kind of looking, going, God, there's something special about this place, you know? Um, mm-hmm. They start talking about the acoustics and stuff like that. 
And then about 20, I think we're 21 years, they had their first event in it. Wow, okay, that long ago. And since, yeah, yeah. And since then, it's just grown and grown. And every year, we add more and more to it. So every penny made goes back into the place. So myself included and all the committee members and all the volunteers, you know, it's it's completely voluntary run, basically. So that makes it extremely unique. So when you come to an event, you kind of, you'll feel there's a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, you know, when it's running and running well, everybody just gets a, a huge buzz out of the place. So, yeah, no, it's really, it's really good, really good. Yeah, I've I've been to like amphitheatre events. I think I was in one in a Colosseum in Verona. So it's obviously made for that because that's what it was in the year. So every step was a seat. And Ballykeef is kind of the same. You've built steps into it so that people can sit on all the almost these stone benches. Is that right? Yeah, so it's made out of the limestone, the same as in the quarry. So um yeah, so this year it's fully seated, which is a new thing for us. Um so everybody will have their own seat. Mm. So that's 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 been new in the development in the last four years. Um, we've also kind of fenced in the back of it, which will also help with the acoustics with the wind and everything like that as well. Um, we have a new lift for people with disabilities. Um, yeah, so it just it basically or it grows and grows every year. So every time you come, every time you come back, you're going to see something different. Okay, and food and drink there as well. If people want to take a bit of a break from the music. Yeah, we'll have a full bar. Um, we also will have a barbecue there. I'm not too sure yet exactly with food, but we always mm-hmm. have food there. And we'll have um, a coffee dock with a local lady, actually, who'll be doing lovely treats with that as well, homemade treats. So, yeah, there's loads there for everyone. Lovely, good <laughs> stuff. Now, let's have a chat about some, like, your lineup is phenomenal. It starts on Saturday, Thank the you. 25th of June, um, when you have a Pilgrim and Players music and Folk Festival. Then um, Chapter House Theatre Company will be in the next day to present Cinderella. And then we head into the music. So a few of these are sold out already, aren't they? Yes. We've had a phenomenal response to our lineup this year. So we do have um, Gavin James on Thursday, the 21st of July, which sold out in less than 24 hours. And we have Aslan on the 23rd of July, which is the, the Saturday after We've had that on sale a few weeks ago and that sold out within three days. Wow, okay. <laughs> but we still have loads of amazing acts. <laughs> Don't fret. We have um, Hudson Taylor on the 9th of July and they're coming back to us. We had them in 2018 um, and they have a new album out. And the last time they played, if you look at our social media, you'll see uh, we posted a video on it was just electric. The atmosphere is just brilliant. Um it's kind of when the lights go down in Bally Keith, so when dusk comes oh, and the lights gorgeous. go down and the band feel it and they just seem to just lift off and get everybody, you know, it's it's just, it's fabulous now. It mm-hmm. is, it is really good. Mm-hmm. I know I'm biased, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, then you have um, Harvest, a tribute to Neil Young, which would be gorgeous. Mike Denver and special guests are in there as well. The Villagers are on towards the end of August and then the Southeast Own King Kong Kong, King Kong Company will company, be at Bally yes. Keith Amphitheatre too. They're sure to get the whole place rocking. Oh, look, for sure. If you're not in, in good humour and up and dancing to King Kong Company, there's definitely something not right, you know. So, yeah, and we also have um, Dan McCabe as well, which we're very, very excited about. He's on the 16th of July. He's kind of um, folk as well. He's, he's okay. touring around Ireland, actually selling out a lot of venues. So we're lucky to have him as well. And of course, country and western fans then with Mike Denver. Mm-hmm. 
and that's on the sixth of August. So I think right. we we cover for we we've. We have all tastes covered there in our lineup I this think year. So you have a busy summer ahead of you, Martina, and everyone oh, we who do. volunteers for the Ballykeef Amphitheatre. And um, if people want to check out the website, it's ballykeefamphitheatre.com and that's where you can get tickets as well. And um, uh, there's also an Instagram account to that is Ballykeef Amphitheatre. If you search for it, you'll find it fairly easily there. Martina, thanks a million for joining me this morning. It's ba- great to hear that Ballykeef is back with a bang this summer. Thanks so much, Orla, and thanks for all your support as well over the years. It's very much appreciated. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, I've been waiting for this for a long time. It's not Downton Abbey, just in case you think that we're going to review Downton Abbey. In fact, I think Brian would be aghast if he had to review Downton Abbey. No, I like Downton Abbey. I haven't seen the series, but I I like the the movie. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go see Downton Abbey this weekend, and... My friend said, have you seen the first one, the first movie? And I said, yeah, but I actually no idea what went on in it. So that, The only reason I do is because I haven't seen any other. T- like, it's one of those shows as well where people have talked about it for years and I've been like, it's just not my vibe. But the movie I thought was fun. I actually really got into the movie of it. That, if anything is you, that is. Like something that I would presume you don't like and then you have to go against the grain. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah, I totally like Yeah, that. yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, it's not down to that's why I'm the, uh, That's why I like you, Orla. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. This is Nick Cage starring as Nick Cage in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We talked about this just after Christmas and the yeah. countdown has been on for me. It got 100% in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Like, oh, it has just... There's been so much talk about it. Nicolas Cage, of course, plays a heightened version of himself after being hired by the CIA, CIA even. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> it's of all the things. It's, it's, just a, it's just letters like just not even hard to pronounce. CIA to take down a corrupt billionaire named Javi. Let's have a listen. <laughs> What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. What did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades it was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Ah, man, I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry. One more time. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. What do we know about this guy anyway? Is he into something strange? Welcome to Mallorca, Mr. Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi going to want me to uh, play him Javi? Nick Cage. There you go, that's Nick Cage as Nick Cage in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. He's not the only massive talent in there. Pedro Pascal is in there. Um, Our very own Sharon Horgan and Neil Patrick Harris as well. Yeah. Oh, I really want to see this. It's, it's, it's madness, Orla. Oh, great. It's the kind of madness you're expecting. Brilliant. And I would recommend, it's one of those movies because... Because I go see so many movies, uh-huh. I don't get popcorn and drink every time. Okay, I'd be I'd be ruined. I'd be okay. financially ruined yeah. if I did. Yeah. But these this is one of the ones where it's a popcorn movie. You get you, you go there with your friends, you get popcorn, and you just enjoy it and you have oh. a good crack with it. And it's hundred percent one of those. Okay, tell us the premise of the unbearable weight of massive talent. So Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, and he is an actor that's kind of struggling not struggling with money but definitely he he needs money do you know he's he's an actor that's like has to pay off debts and everything 
uh, kind of referencing Nicolas Cage's kind of real run of the uh, last couple of years. That's why he's been doing so many, like people are saying random movies. Yeah. He's kind of and been... videos. Has he been making little videos? And yeah, he's been like... in a lot of things, but like it's, it's kind of been a lot for... He's kind of been not struggling for money, but like act, actor struggling for yes. money, do you know? Yeah. And not so, Brian and Orla struggling for money. No, no, no. Like he can afford as many doner kebabs as yeah. he wants, but mm. yeah. So he he decides that his his agent sets him up with like he he gets turned down for a role, and then he decides that he's he's been offered this role to go to a fella's birthday party for a couple of days and get paid a million dollars. I think I would say yes. Oh that. yeah, me Orla, too. you'd you'd probably agree to that as yeah, well. Me too. So definitely. he show he shows up to the the birthday party and ends up becoming really good friends with Pedro Pascal before realizing who's that Javi? who's who's Javi <laughs> and then the CIA people who were played by Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz who are Tiffany Haddish is in it as yeah, well yeah they're really like, really really funny people um they recruit him into the CIA to to spy on Javi because <laughs> it's believed that he is a fellow that's like running this illegal operation okay. so they, I don't want to give too much away but like it's it's why is it funny? Tell me. It's funny because it's weird. Or, oh, I love it. And like, it's just... Do you know the way like, there's so much fourth wall breaking mm-hmm. in terms of the movie? I, this one kind of breaks the fourth wall's fourth wall, kind of in a sense. Like, there's so, like if you like, like Nick Cage, like if you're a big fan of his movies, you'll be a big fan of this as well because they just reference all the movies he's been in. So if Nick Cage is Nick Cage, is Neil Patrick Harris Neil Patrick Harris? Or no. is Nick Cage the only... Nick, Nick Cage is the only... Okay. Well... For the majority, he's the only he's the only character named after himself. Okay. Yeah, for All most of right. But uh, yeah, there, there's another there's another famous face appears in, as well as themselves. Okay. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no, it. don't tell us. Okay. Um. Right. So funny, madcap. Yeah. It's it's just, it's honestly like nothing I've ever seen. Like I went to see it with two of my friends, and they were just like, like I've never seen anything like that. And I was like, yeah, same. I've like it's it's. I can't really say it. Do you know the way normally you'd be like, oh, it's kind of like this mixed with this? Like, it def- def- there's definitely something to mix it with, but it's just kind of on its own at the minute for me. Mm. Like, it's just, it's just so weird. And it, it feels like... Why weird, though? Without, it's, I, I it's know just, you can't give much away. It's like <laughs> the whole movie dedicates itself to being like, Nicolas Cage is such a good actor. Okay. And it's so funny because he's also on the screen when it's being said, <laughs> and it's being said to him. Right. And he's like... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, I need this. I need someone are to you, do... Are you kind of suspending belief at the door? Is it a hyper version of Nick Cave? Or Nick Cave? I keep calling him Nick Cave the singer. It's Nick Nicholas Cage. Is it a heightened version of Nick Cage that we're expected? Like a comedy version of him? Or is it meant to be the Nick Cage who was in all these big movies and, and was in Con Air? Um, is that the Nick Cage that we're uh, like meeting? Honestly... The crazy thing is, I think it's the it's the more realistic, honest, re- true to life, day to day version of Nicolas Cage is what we see. Like he he seems very down to earth in it, but there's moments where he does completely lose it. But I feel like he is, he could just be like that in real life. I feel like ironically, the movie that's the most about him as a movie star is the one where we see him the most as just a normal person. Uh. Do you know, it's one of those <laughs> ones. It's like the more you think about this movie, the more it kind of messes with your brain. Okay. Like he's he's he comes up against himself at one stage, and it's he's like a wax figure of himself from another one of his movies, and it's like this guy is in a movie, and it's like he's facing himself who was in a different movie, but this is a movie too, and it's just kind of it kind of like if you overthink it, it it, it kind of breaks it. But if you just sit down and enjoy it, it's it's great. Okay. 
And I 100% recommend you go see it. Okay, good stuff. And it's a long time I've gone to see a movie with Nicolas Cage in it, to yeah. tell you the truth. And you, we, you've been, we've been looking forward to this one yeah, for, we really for have. months. And we never went together in we the We didn't. End. We didn't go together. I kind of <laughs> ended up just going there one, one night with my friends. So. How dare you? I know. Okay, let's mark it out of 10. Black puddings, in fact. Black pudding. I'd give it like a... Give it like an 8.5 to a 9. Okay. Do you know, it, it is... I think it's really great. It's, it's not like... Did we give it too much hype? I don't know if we did. I feel like the 100% Rotten Tomatoes might have overhyped it a bit too much for us. Yeah. I feel like if we went in thinking it was going to be crap, we mm-hmm. might have been more whelmed. Okay. But I, it was still great. It was still a really good movie. And like normally when I go to these things with my friends, sometimes if it's kind of arty like this, it's kind of weird. It's not really what you're used to seeing. They're kind of normally like, well, I didn't really like it. But they really did enjoy this as well. So it's not just going to be some weird fella like me that oh, enjoys it. It's not just a Brian movie. Not just a Brian movie. It's, movie. it's a Brian's Friends movie okay, also. Okay, so what, 8.5 or 9? Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, 8.8. 8. 8. I can't. I can't choose between the two. <laughs> what it's a like, score. I can't, I can't feel justified giving it a 9, but I don't feel like it's as low as an 8.5 either. Do you know? Okay, let's so. just go 9. I, okay, let's be, let's be fair okay, and round so it up. so full on distinction. For the unbearable weight of massive talent, nine black puddings out of ten. It is in cinemas as we speak. Thank you so much. No bother at all. Off to see Downton Abbey, a new era. I can't wait. <laughs> Chat to you. See you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.